Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 24. Here now the reading of God's word. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him some 15 days. But I saw none, other, none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went up to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, I love this part. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. The very word of God, amen. Today I want to preach on God's grace changes everything. God's grace changes everything. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We do give you thanks for your grace. God, I do ask even now as I stand before your people, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross so that you can be lifted up in this place. May you decrease me so that you increase. Father, we need a word from you. Let your spirit enter our hearts and open them to what you have for us. God, have your way this morning. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together, Amen and amen. You can be seated. Family, let me ask you. Have you ever just sat back and smelled the roses in life? What I mean is, have you you sat back and just taken notice of the little things? Have you ever sat back and just said, I'm so thankful for food. 
And I'm not talking about Markel, that two-second prayer you say before you smash, you know, and you just start eating before brunch. I, I, I mean, just, just sitting there and saying, thank you for substance. Thank you for the means to be able to buy food. Have you ever just sat back and just said, thank you? I'm thankful for little things. Here's another one. Have you, have you ever just said, thank you for clothes? And I, I'm not talking about the new outfit that you've been waiting on buying, the new shoes. I, I just mean pure materials on your back. Thank you. The little things, the roof over your head, the heat working in the house, the lights turning on. Have you ever just sat back and said, thank you? You see, I, I think many times we, we take these little things in life for granted. We just look on past them. And what if I were to tell you that when you experience the grace of God in your life, it changes the way you look at everything? What I mean is that you begin to look at life differently because everything you have, even your life, the breath in your lungs, all of this is because God has been gracious. You begin to be thankful for the basic necessities of life. This is a struggle for us, if we're honest. It's a struggle for us, and it's foreign in our society. This idea of grace is foreign. We work, we work, and we work. Nothing is given for free or given undeserved. So we struggle with grace. We struggle. But when you really understand, hear me, the grace of God, it changes everything. Today what we're going to do, we're going to look at Paul's testimony and his call to ministry and the grace of God on his life. And I really want you to ponder. I want you to think about the grace of God on your life. And my hope is the same thing will happen for you that happened to Paul, that happened for me. Is that when you experience the grace of God in your life, it changes everything. I have three points today. Number one, God's approval, not man's. God's approval, not man's. Number two, your testimony is a testament to God's grace. Your testimony is a testament to God's grace. And last one, your testimony is a witness to Christ. Testimony is a witness to Christ. Now, before we jump into the text this morning, by way of review from earlier in chapter one, Paul begins this letter here with a greeting. It's common for Paul's letter, and in his greeting, he begins by introducing himself. Now, the reason being here is because the Galatian church, as I said earlier, is in the midst of trusting uh, false theology, and so Paul has to come in and he has to correct the Galatian church on telling them there's only one gospel message. There's only one gospel message by which you're saved, and this is by the grace of God and the perfect work of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He says that all of this, but then reminds the Galatian church that he's an apostle. He says, I'm an apostle, not through man or by man, but 
through God and Jesus Christ. And if you remember from last week, I made you, I helped you understand that this is a very exclusive claim that he's making here. This is a very exclusive claim because he and only the 12 apostles were the ones that had this direct call, this direct interaction with Jesus where he calls them into the ministry. Every other person, what he's saying is every other small a apostle or pastor that has been called by God, they have a calling on their life, but they have been called by God and appointed and put in ministry by some man or some committee. So Paul is saying, look, I ain't like them. My call came directly from God and I've been put in position by God. I'm not like them. In essence, the message that he's proclaiming here, he's saying, he's saying, look, look, this has power. My my message, what I'm proclaiming to you, has weight and there's truth here. So you should listen to me. All the mother folks out there that are proclaiming something else, if it's not them saying that you're saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, then they're lying. It's false. This is what Paul is saying to them. And he says, I'm astonished, though. I came to you. I proclaim this good news. And and I'm astonished that now you're so quickly. He he said, I'm angered. I'm I'm thrown off because you, you so quickly walked away from the goodness of God. How do you understand this goodness of God on your behalf that's been done? And then you walk away from it? How can you turn your back on the God who has loved you? He said, all of these other people out here preaching other stuff, saying you can call it and haul it, name it and claim it, speak it into the atmosphere. Yeah, I said it. He said, all of them are false. If it's not you're saved by the grace of God through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, then they're lying. They're false. He says, trust and believe in Jesus. Stop adding to the gospel, whether that be your work or something somebody else is saying. Stop adding to the gospel. And see, it's easy. It's easy for us to look at the Galatian church and say, man, how in the world could they do this? I mean, they just heard this message. Jesus just rose from the grave. He's fresh in heaven right now. They, they, they heard about his goodness. He, he rose from the grave and he did all this for them to have eternal life. How in the world can they turn their backs on the goodness of God so quickly? It's easy for us to look at them and say, how could you do that? But here's the reality. We battle with the same thing. See, there lies within us, if we're honest this morning, this rebellious inclination to seek things outside of God. And we start to think that there's there's something better out there. There's more than what God has to offer. If I just work more, if if I'm good enough, if I I look good enough, I, I might get what I'm looking for out there. Whether it's a better job, it's a significant other, it's money, it's a house, you fill in the blank. Paul says no. No, anyone who preaches any other gospel is false and they should be kicked out the church. He says, accursed. It's false. He's saying it's, it, 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 it's that the gospel, the gospel, it, it, it's not just the in and out quickie mark. Some of y'all know about the corner stores. I was just talking to somebody about this. You, you used to go in and get the penny candy. Y'all remember what I'm, y'all, some of y'all go with me. They don't have those anymore. Anybody, any, by the way, it's about $3 for that same candy. And, and, but Paul's saying, this ain't, that's not the gospel. 
You come in, you get saved, and then you brand it, you go back to doing whatever you want to do. It's like, no, 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 that's not the gospel. It says the gospel is not only you're saved by grace, but then you're, you're, you're soaking up the truths of the Bible. You're sitting at the master's feet day in and day out. And as you read and soak up the truths of God, you see how he starts to direct your steps. Keeping Jesus in front of you every day. See, our life is not, it's not in our own hands, but it's in God's hands. And if I'm honest with you, as strong as I think I am, Michelle, as smart as I think I am, my life is far better in the Creator's hands than it is in my own. Paul says, do you understand the grace by which you have been saved? Understand it and trust and believe in Jesus. This all sets us up to where we're going in our passage right here. And Paul opens up in verse 10. Look at it with me. He says this. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, what Paul is saying here is that on top of all that I just opened up with, everything I just said, the reason I stick to the gospel and I keep it the same, I don't add to it, is because I'm not trying to seek anybody else's approval except God's. Listen, seeking man's approval is hard. Anybody else, it's hard to seek another person's approval. Why? Because people, whether man or woman, they have feelings and thoughts just like you and I do. And our feelings and thoughts change all the time. They fluctuate. So it's hard to meet someone else's expectations. The expectations they have in their mind and their hearts, they change all the time. I mean, one day, uh, for, for, for instance, some, someone might look at me and be like, D, your outfit was banging today. And I'm like, all I had was a T-shirt on, bro. But they, they, they said my outfit looks great because they're having a good day. You look great today because they're having a good day. But then the next day, I spent time on my outfit. I iron that joint. I put new shoes on and every. I spent money. And then I come in and they, they, all they do is try to tear me down. And you wore that same thing three months ago. Because now they're having a bad day. And see, if you follow me with this thing, if I'm living for their approval, if I'm living for that like, then, then at the end of the day, my whole world is turned upside down and I feel ruined. And it's because they had a bad day. See, if I could step into your neighborhood, too many of us, we're living for the like button on Instagram. Go with me. Some of y'all don't have social media, but we're living too much for people to like us. We post something, <laughs> and we keep checking that thing all day long. Who, who, did they like me? Did they like me? Oh, man, they ain't saying nothing. I wonder what they think about me. You, don't act like you ain't been there if you got social media, even if you felt Facebooking it and you went late to the game. You know, it's just, you just, you just looking at it like, I, I, did, they, did they like me? You do something at work, did, do they like me? And you know what I've learned? about social media, and this is beside the algorithm that they put in there, and if y'all didn't know that was a real thing, you, you, you say something out loud to your phone, and 
I want my carpets clean, and then you got 50 companies that want to clean your carpet when you open your phone up. I mean, that's real. That's there. Besides the, <laughs> the thing showing you what you want it to show you, what they want or what they think you want, what I've learned is as I've watched people posted things and things like that, people are fickle. You just never know how someone's going to react or what they're going through on any given day. I mean, I post clips of sermons and one-liners and things that I think are going to hit. You know, I'm like, man, that was off the chain. And you might, I might get like 10 likes or something. And, and, and true, true story, like a, a week or two ago, I posted a picture of me and two of my oldest friends Steve, and everybody and their mama commented on it. People I ain't heard for, from in like 30 years. And I'm like, I mean, I, I love my boys and stuff, but why you ain't say nothing when I said that about Jesus? I mean, I, I worked hard on that. Chris worked hard on the clip. And, you know, I worked hard on the sermon. And see, the point I'm trying to make is that is if I live in this lane of seeking another person's approval, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, or in my everyday life, listen, I will stop posting or doing anything that has to do with Jesus, and I'll only say and do things I, that I know people will like, which might not have any substance at all. In essence, if I don't stand firm on who I am and what, I, what God thinks about me, then I will never give people what they need to hear, which is hope in Jesus. But instead, I'll give them what I think or what they want to hear. And most of the time, that has nothing to do with Jesus, which in turn will leave me exhausted trying to please people. People pleasing is exhausting. Anybody tired this morning? You battle with that thing? I mean, just think about it. Think about it right now. In this moment, think about yourself. How many times has your mind wandered off of something that has nothing to do with my sermon right now? You, ain't gotta, you don't have to be honest. I know. And some of y'all just missed the question because you're staring at me, but you're not listening to me. <laughs> think about lunch. Traffic. And to see if I were to try to cater to your thoughts, then one, I wouldn't be able to because there's too many of y'all to to just think about your thoughts. But two, I would stop being faithful to God. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, saying, I didn't come to preach something pleasing to you. I came to preach Christ. Therefore, the only approval, approval that I'm seeking is that of God, not you, God's approval. And, and, and listen, this, this is the freeing thing. This, this is the, the, the crazy freeing good news about God's approval. Y'all listening? I need y'all to hear this. God's approval doesn't involve you doing anything. Did, did, you, did you hear that? God's approval doesn't involve you doing anything. Who else can you say that about in your life? As much as you love your spouse and they love you, they have expectations. Your kids have expectations of you. Your friends have expectations. Your boss has expectations over you. Everybody has expectations of you. 
But the free and good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that all of those standards and all of those expectations that God had on us, he laid on Jesus. And Jesus took all of that and went to the cross. He took all of our mishaps. He took all of our mess ups. He took all of those mis uh, expectations of God and took them on himself. He died on the cross, took it all to the grave. Then he gets up with newness of life, power in his hands, leaving all our mess in the grave. Y'all, that's good news. That's good news. That's a freeing good gospel. That's a freeing news because that means that you, me, the believer, walks in freedom from approval because Jesus satisfies all of God's requirements of us. The believer, you've heard me say this, the believer works from approval, not for approval. That's freeing. That feels good. I can live now. I can work I can play. I can go about my life without worrying about someone else's approval. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean I can do whatever I want to or you can do whatever you want to do. That's now taking advantage of God's grace. That's not what I'm saying. But hear me as you stay in the word of God, as we talked about last week, and you continue to grow in your understanding of the gospel, it now directs your life. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you start to produce the fruit that God wants to produce in your life, which we're going to talk about all throughout Galatians. But you got to remember... I've already said this before. It's just you trusting and believing. You continually soaking up the truths of God. And through that, your life now changes. Friends, God's approval doesn't require your work. In fact, our, our work, it ain't good enough. It's not good enough. The gospel, listen to me, replaces, don't miss this, replaces the spirit to seek approval. Why? Because when you believe, you're now already approved in Jesus. Again, the believer works from approval, not for approval. The gospel produces confident, fearless, and bold followers of Jesus. Paul says you can't be a people pleaser and a servant of Christ. The two, they don't mix. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man will, be a, will prove to be a snare. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. Listen, people are not made to be worshipped. They're, they're not made to be worshipped in a sense to where you, you seek their approval and you fear their disapproval. God, God's the only one worthy of that type of praise, but in the goodness of the gospel, God's approval is really not based off of what you do. It's not based off of your work. God's approval, here it is, is based on his grace. Mm. And we receive God's approval through trusting in Jesus. Nobody will ever, I'm going to bust someone's bubble, nobody will ever or has ever lived a perfect life. Jesus is the only one that has lived perfectly. And God, through his grace and mercy, through Jesus' death, his sacrifice, chose to save us. That's grace. You are approved based off of nothing you have done. That's grace. People hold things over your head. God cast your sin, as the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. Y'all, that's grace. He forgives. People make you work for approval, but God, on the other hand, has done all the work. That's grace. Y'all getting this thing? 
The one who deserves the seeking of approval asks for none and instead gives you everything. He works for you. That's grace. We have believed, and because of that, we receive this gift that we didn't work for. That's grace. But let me ask you, do you live from a place of freedom, understanding the grace of God over your life? Or do you live under the heavy weight of approval? Man's approval. God's grace over your life or the weight of approval. People think about me. Listen, we win God's grace. We win his approval by trusting the perfect work of Jesus, just believing. It's not work. I know I know someone's saying, well, Pastor D, I, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I'm still having trouble understanding this grace idea. You don't know my life. I've done some crazy things. I don't know if I'm worthy of the grace of God. Or, or, or I'm a good person, Pastor D. I've done great things. I'm good. I, I, I don't know if I understand this grace. Or I don't even know if I really need the grace of God. Listen, uh, I love this. Dr. Tim Keller, he, he says it this way. He said it this way. He says, no one is so good that they don't need the grace of the gospel, nor so bad that they can't receive the grace of the gospel. No one is so good that they don't need the grace of the gospel, nor so bad that they can't receive the grace of the gospel. In, any, in essence, anyone can come to Jesus. And we all that come to him, we all, hear me, everyone in here, even if we don't, we, we all are in need of a savior, which means that we all have a testimony. No matter who we are, as we look back at this text, I need y'all to follow me with this thing. Paul now, he starts to explain his story, his testimony, his call, which is really one of God's grace, an example of God's grace. But listen, when we think of Paul a lot of times, we look at Paul and we think he's a bad man and he was out there persecuting the church and he was killing Christians and he was doing this and he's doing that. But Paul, Paul thought he was doing what he was supposed to do. He, he was being a good person as a Pharisee, as a zealous man of the faith, high authority. He, he's just now obeying the rules. And by the time he gets saved, he gets called by God. He's killed many Christians. He's put many of them in prison. He's persecuted the church. Paul, in his zeal, thought he was doing good. But in fact, he's persecuting the people of God, which in reality, he's persecuting Jesus. Jesus, just a little context, in Acts chapter 9, he, he strikes Paul down with the momentary blindness, this light from heaven. And he, he says to Paul, he says, Paul, Paul. Why are you persecuting me? Now, you notice he doesn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? I got to help somebody here. I need you to take this home. Sometimes, listen to me, when you're feeling persecution and you're feeling evil on all sides, as a believer, you got to remember that that persecution, that evil, is not just your battle. 
as a believer, when you're feeling persecution and you're feeling evil from all sides, that battle really is not yours. It's the Lord's. So in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the evil, all you got to do is sit and trust Jesus, sit in his hands. We have trouble sitting in the hands of the good Lord. He said, just sit in my hands. It's like being in the storm with the disciples. He's like, you of little faith, I'm right here. Sit in my hands all throughout the book of Acts. When you go back and you look at the early church, even in the midst of persecution, in the midst of evil, and they're getting killed, they're getting thrown off cliffs, burned alive, stoned to death. You'll never see them talking about, we got to pack up them knives, yo, get our swords together. We got to go out here and fight back and kill these dudes. They're coming at us. No, no, they ain't knocking and bucking, none of that. They're not fighting back. They fight by dropping to their knees and saying, Jesus be with us. Fight our battles. I'm just trying to help somebody right now. You might be in the midst of persecution, in the midst of evil, and you need to just sit in Jesus' hands. It's not just your battle. Take that home. Jesus says to Paul, he says, Saul at the time, he says, why are you persecuting me? Paul rises, now saved and chosen to go and proclaim the gospel. And this this is a little context of where we're going in the following verses in Galatians. And Paul, throughout the rest of the chapter, he he just talks about his testimony. Verses 11 through 12. Look at it with me if you got your Bibles open. Paul says, again, for I did not receive this message from man, but from God. Then he goes on to say that, you know about my former life. You know what I did. I was out there in the streets. I was killing people. I was persecuting people. I was so zealous. I was violent toward the church. I was trying to destroy the church. I was doing this in the traditions of my father. So again, he's saying, I thought I was doing what was correct. Then verse 15, look at it. Paul says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace... Paul here says that with all that I was doing, all that I I thought I was doing correct, I I need y'all to hear this. He says, I didn't have anything to do with my call. I thought I was great. I, I didn't have anything to do with my salvation. It was by God's grace. In other words, he's saying, I what I was doing, I thought I was doing right. Thought I was a good person, but in reality, I was the opposite of what God wanted me to be or do. Therefore, I'm only saved and called by his grace. And then he, then he strengthens his language just in case you miss it. He says, he's really talking about this omniscient power of God. God being all-knowing and saying, God, God, God set me apart. He had this providence for me. He had set me apart before I was born. He, he basically said, uh, uh, everything, uh, all of these things, everything I did, I, I, I would not be saved. I wouldn't be called if it had not been for the grace of God. I had nothing to do with it. Here's, here's what I'm trying to get you to hear. What Paul is saying is, number one, all of us have a testimony of what we've been through and how we've gotten to where we are. And number two, when you look back over all of it, we look back over all of the good and bad actions, the good and bad intentions or motivations you had in your life, if you call yourself a believer, you're only saved by God's grace. I wish I had 
people other than Miss Tammy agreeing with me this morning. Paul says, the only reason I'm called, the only reason I'm saved by Jesus is because of the grace of God, nothing else. I, I thought I was doing right, but I was completely wrong. It's only by God's grace. Christian in here, you have a testimony, and your testimony gives testament to God's grace. When I look back over my life and all that I've been through, where, where God has taken me, the grace of God, even when I did not know him, divorced parents, growing up in Gary, Indiana, the murder cap of the world when I was growing up there, and then going through what I went through, and a confused kid, an athlete, where I thought I could do whatever I want with whoever I want, when I wanted to do it, but then if you look at me, I'm an almost straight-A student, so I think I'm good in the eyes of people, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but if it had not been, for the grace of God, y'all, I wouldn't be standing on this stage before you. I wouldn't be a pastor. I wouldn't be a father of five and married for almost 20 years. Y'all, I wouldn't be in this place that I'm in. If it had not been for the grace of God, I wish I had two or three people that could agree with me this morning. I wonder how many of us look back over our lives. And say, it's only by the grace of God that I'm living. It's only by the grace of God that I'm breathing. It's only by the grace of God that I'm saved today. How many of us can look back over our motivations? Ill intentions and even the ones we thought were good and say, it's only by the grace of God. Listen, I need to help someone in their theology this morning. Listen. God doesn't just save the lovable. He doesn't just save the good. He doesn't just save the usable. God does not love us because we're serviceable. He loves us simply because he loves us. This is the only kind of love that we cannot or that we can only be secure in. It's the only love we can be secure in because it's the only kind of love we cannot lose. You didn't work to get it. That, this is grace. See, this is a love that when you understand it, you can't hold back telling people about it. It's like the Wagyu steak I was telling y'all about last week or the, or the Japanese sushi. Once I tasted it, y'all, it, changed, it not only changed my palate, but I, I, it was hard for me to go back to the, to the grocery store steak, Toby. I, I, I just couldn't do it. The, 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 the sushi from the grocery, I just, it's just hard. But not only was it hard to go back, y'all, I had to tell all of y'all about how good it was. Wish y'all was following me. See, when the grace of God touches your life, you can't hold it back. Friends, believers have to understand our salvation is one of grace. Not easy to understand. It's not easy to learn, especially for Americans. I mean, it's, it's one thing to accept that Jesus saved us by his death on the cross. But it's an altogether different understanding to understand the why or the how behind it. The fact that all of Jesus's doing was an act of God's grace. Meaning that there's nothing that I can do. I bring to the table. I couldn't earn it by works. Y'all, that's hard to accept. And if we're honest, it's something that we have to accept daily 
a lifelong journey of saying, God, God, I accept your grace and, and, and remembering it's not by what I do with, with my hands. Why, why is it so hard? Because, because as I've said before, everything and everyone in our lives asks something of us. They want something, and we have to give them something to, for them to like us or to approve us. Friends, when you accept Christ, every blood-bought believer in here has a testimony that speaks to God's grace. He did the work. Look at verse 21 through 24 as we bring this thing home. Paul says, then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Paul saying, after, after saying all that he said, I, I'm not seeking man's approval, only God's. My testimony is one of grace. He now goes on and he goes out and he starts proclaiming the goodness of Jesus. And the text says, I love this part, it says, and the people glorify God. Listen, friends, your story your testimony, although it's, it's good to you, it's not just for you. It's good to be reminded of God's grace over your life, but, but it's not just for you. Instead, your testimony is to be used to show off the glory and the goodness of Jesus to a world in need. Your testimony is a story to show off the grace of God. It's a story to show off the love and the satisfaction and the joy that's found only in Jesus. Renewal, when we understand that our testimony or the means by which we are saved is one of grace, we become like Paul. We can't help but to tell the world about Jesus. We can't help but to start making disciples and sharing our dinner table and seeing lives change. See, this is what changes the city. This is what changes our world. People should hear your story and look at you and say, I want Jesus. Remember I told you a couple weeks ago when we were talking about vision. God, God using you is not based on how much Bible you know. It's, it's not how well you speak. It's not what you look like. It's not how much money you make. It's not your status, any of those things. People are looking at your life. They, they're asking the question, what has God done for you lately? Why should I, know, why, why do I need to know about this Jesus, especially in Chicago? They don't need just another sermon. They need to see your life. They need to hear your story. When you look at Paul's testimony, it's the big illustration for the day. Not much here, but his testimony. Verse 16, God revealed Christ to him so that he could reveal and preach Christ to others. That's the difference between the moral slash religious person and the Christian. See, the Christian understands their salvation is not just for their own joy. It's not just for us, but it's also to share their lives with others so that they can experience the same joy that you have, the same love that you experience, the same satisfaction that you experience. Your testimony is not just for you. God's grace on your life should lead you to tell others about 
Christ. But that's where the problem lies as we end here. Because if you do not understand God's grace on your life, then you won't speak of him. And when you start talking about your life and you start talking about your testimony, you're not, you will end up not propping Christ up, but you'll start talking about all the things you did, pointing to how you made it through. Because you're not understanding God's grace on your life. Do you understand the grace of God on your life? Listen, this is the way I want to end today. I, the keys are going to start playing, and I really want you to, I want you to just think for a moment. We're going to go into a time of response in a minute, and um, I, I really want you, if you got a notepad, great. If you don't, we're going to get some paper and a pen in your hands. I, I really want you, to, I want you to write down one, at least one thing where you've seen the Lord's grace over your life, where you can say, like, if it had not been for the Lord right here, then I, I wouldn't be here grace of God in your life. And, and see, if you're struggling, you're looking at me like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do or write in that. Then go back to what I said in the beginning. Think of the common graces of God. The fact that your limbs are working this morning. The fact that you have breath in your body. The fact that you can see these things that we take for granted. Because the reality is, is that because of sin, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So the reality, we shouldn't be here, but in the days and all, we should be washed away. But Jesus, but God's grace. So even if you're not a believer, you're living under the grace of God right now. And so, so I need you to think of these common graces of God. And I just want you to write it down. Take some time, write it down. And then when you get done writing it, I want you to say thank you. Thank you, God. And then here's the task for the week. I want you to share whatever you wrote with one person I want you to share it the grace and the goodness of God if you need some paper put your hand in there we'll get that in your hand and a pen we'll make sure you have it so you can write it down I don't want you to pull out your phones because y'all start texting and stuff I want you to stick with Jesus right now okay if you need a paper or a pen we'll give it to you just put your hand in the air don't miss the moment whatever the Lord is doing right now I want you to take a moment and do it you don't have to share with anybody today. I just want you to take that moment with Jesus. And the reason I'm ending this way is because I really want us to get in the practice of recognizing God's grace on our everyday lives. In doing so, and giving thanks for the grace in everything, I believe we won't be able to hold back talking about the goodness of God. And the result, we'll see our city change. And ultimately, the world will begin to change because we understand the grace of God. Friends, hear me. Recognizing and understanding God's grace changes everything. God's grace changes everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. You're truly an amazing God, and we give you thanks for your grace. God, I even repent I'm one of the ones, I'm pretty sure everyone in here, we just take advantage sometimes and we just look over the common graces, the goodness of you. 
the little things, God. God, may we be a church that recognizes you in everything. Not just saying it out loud, God, but when we wake up in the morning, just thankful. We go to sleep in a house that's in a house, thank you. The gas in the car, thank you. Thank you for breath in our lungs, God. God, I know there are folks in here that never gave their life to you or they've been away from you. Lord, I pray that they would come to you. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying, going to a grave and getting up for me. Thank you, God, for your grace in sending him and loving us that much even when we were unlovable. Thank you that we're not approved by our works. But the work you've already done on our, on our behalf is our approval, God. And I, I pray that we'd walk in a place of freedom, that we'd realize that freedom, not to do what we want, but to know that how we live and what we do doesn't justify, or that's not, how, that's not why you love us. May we as a church feel that, God, and may we just talk about and speak about your goodness and proclaim your goodness, just like Paul says. I'm not here to please man. I'm here to preach Christ. Lord, let our lives reek of the gospel and your goodness. It's in Jesus' name we all say it. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.